0: This is a CJSR podcast.
1: Volunteer-powered.
0: Listener-supported.
1: Campus and community. Radio. Podcast.
0: podcast. Radio. Radio. Radio and podcast. <laughs> I always made sure that my focus was for that goal, to finish school, to get a good job, to make sure that I was myself afterwards Quite secure financially, because I didn't want to end up, you know, being the cheesemist with everybody. Like, oh, Ariane too ran away with this low life, or Ariane got into drugs and she didn't finish her school, or you know, Ariane swindled the money and and now it's her poor parents. They've lost all this money. Ryan, hi Sherry. What's the Cheese Miss? This is What's the Cheese Miss, a podcast about Filipinx identity in Edmonton.
1: I'm Ryan Lacanalao, and the Cheese I want to get off my chest today, well, it kind of started with boy bawang, a Filipino fried corn snack. See, the other day, I found myself craving some boy bawang, so I went to a local Filipino store to buy some. I noticed they also provide a service to send money to the Philippines. This is because Filipinos working abroad, like in Canada, often send money to their relatives in the Philippines. It's part of our culture. We take care of each other. When we asked our listeners for some stories, Ariane Barona responded with a story about her dad sending tuition money to her cousin in the Philippines. Her cousin ended up giving the money to her boyfriend, who then ran away. And I knew we had to turn that into an episode. So I called up her dad, Calvin Barona, to get a first-hand account of what happened.
2: Our youngest sister, who passed like when she's 36, she got a uh, cancer in the ovary, and she didn't know that. And then her husband is a seaman, working in the ship, and then of course, then he abandoned his family. And then my sister, before he died, and she got only three days left, and the doctor tell told her that she will not last longer because of the cancer. She's crying on the phone. The last word he told me. Please, brother, promise me. Take care of my kids. And that's, I started to send my niece and nephew to college mm. with the help of my, of course, my my family in Canada and then my sister back home in the uh, in, in Philippines. And then the eldest of the three, which is Yan Yan, so she took up nursing and then... Uh, we sent to university. So for the first three years, she's doing well in school, sending the grades and everything. And on the last year of her nursing, she, uh, she graduated. She went to, she marched to, we were in the Philippines. We got a toga with a hat and everything. And then she told us that she's taking up reviewing board exam. And then, yeah, sure. So we spent again money. My wife knows everything about this one. My sister in Philippines also helped her and we paid for the review. And unfortunately, Ryan, we thought that she will take a board exam. And I asked her, so what happened to your board exam? And then we found out she didn't take the board exam because her diploma and transcript of record from the university, they will not release it to her because on the last semester, She owes money from this school, 30,000 pesos, almost $800 Canadian, because the money that we sent to her for her tuition fee, for allowance, for everything, it was been borrowed by her boyfriend. Like say, can I borrow 50 bucks? Can I borrow 150 bucks? Can I borrow $20? And it's piled up. And then she didn't pay her school. She lied to us on the last semester of her four years nursing course. And up to now, when we went back to the Philippines and then we talked to her, me and my wife and Aryan and my youngest daughter, what happened? So she tell everything and she's crying and say sorry for what happened. I say damage just have you done. So are what's your plan? I still have to finish my nursing. I have to take the board exam. Okay, that's good. But don't expect from us, for our family in Canada, that we'll pay or buy out your the money that's outstanding money from the school. You have to show us that you pay for it at least a little bit. And when my wife talk about it when she start paying. And if we say one third of the overall amount will be paid by her. Okay, so we found, it shows that she's willing to finish her her nursing and then it's fine, I will pay from the rest. I want her to show to us that she's willing to to pay her obligation to school. But for the last 10 years right up to now, she didn't even pay a single cent in the school, so she don't care.
1: So until now, she hasn't taken the board exam. No, no.
2: So at that time, when she wishes in taking up nursing, the other sister also is taking up college, and she's taking psychology, and that's what happened to my brother. I say something's wrong with Yen. I don't trust her. Can you please go to university and check? What is her her about? And then my brother found out that she's not going to university, but she's taking money from us. And we paid for the board and lodging, the food and allowances, and she didn't went to school for the last two years and we don't and she hides it from us.
1: Mm, so you were giving her like, money to go to school and she stopped but, going to school, but she didn't tell you that she stopped.
2: Yeah, and she's just accepting money from us. For two years. <laughs> for two years. So my sister cried and, of course, I feel bad, I feel sad because that's for their future, right? Right. So if they didn't help themselves, then what we can do? None. Yeah. So so it shows that they don't care because, you know what, my auntie who is living with them, they got pension from school, uh, from being a, a retired teacher, so they get the money. They don't care because we are helping from Canada, them. And the last chance is the brother. This is your last chance. I'll send to university. Maybe you're different from your two sisters. We paid for tuition fee. We talked with my wife. No problem. Help her or help him. And after one year, he told his sister, "Tell Tito Calvin, back to Canada. that I'm not interested in my PT. I will shift." And I say, "Ho oh, ho, easy to tell. You don't want to continue to continue your college because you are just you didn't pay for your you didn't, you didn't work for it for your tuition fee." So the lesson learned here is that only us in, uh, like in our family, there are so many kids in Philippines who wants to go to college, poor. They work for themselves. They work hard to pay for school. But my nephew, my nephew and nieces, we've paid for the tuition fee and you don't want to go to university. Just go for university, study, there's the money, just study, allowances and everything, just finish your degree because this is for you. Don't think about us. That after you finish, after you finish your education, we just pay something back to us. It's yours. It's your future. So, it's very sad. It's a very sad story. But what else I can do, Ryan?
1: Right. No, knowing what you know now, what what would you have done differently if you could go back in time?
2: If I turn back the clock, I think the best way for me to do and my sister is we will not send money to them directly, the tuition fee. We will be the one to pay direct to the university. We'll get the receipt. And then also the payment for the dormitory must pay direct to the uh, the landlord, not to them. Right, right. Right. Because now if they have money in their hand, friends were invited to go to the movie, go to the restaurant, go to disco, go to the bar and that's what happened, right? Because they have money in their pocket. You help them, you support them, but don't give money to the children or to the kids. Just go direct and pay the bank to the school. And then Arian starts going to university. And then that's it. So I told them, my, uh, my, my niece back home, look at that. Arian finished her nursing, she's an RN right now. You must also, you will be an RN you are nursing or a nurse right now if you already go, if you already finish your, your university. So 10 years, it's just like yesterday what happened, but every time I saw them back home, I still, I still, uh, I don't feel bad or I always told them about something what happened in the past, but I don't, I don't take it personal. I still, I'm still sending money back home and my wife knew about it that we're still sending money for them for their food allowance because they don't have uh, parents back home.
1: After hearing these stories directly from Calvin, I wanted to talk to Ariane, his daughter. I wanted to ask how all of this affected her and her relationships. Hi, Ariane. Hi, Brian. So I talked to your dad and he told me all about what happened. That was a really interesting conversation. Uh, my question for you is how did all of this affect you?
0: I don't know if it was explicit on my parents' end, but I definitely remember hearing things like, you know, we sacrificed a lot for you to be here in Canada. Look at your friends. Like they have to get part-time jobs while being in school. Remember, you're very lucky. You don't have to worry about working. And it was just that inner voice that I always had going through high school and finishing university. Um, And I I suppose, I guess it made me work harder knowing that there was this fire lit under my sister and I, that we had to prove that we were worth the sacrifices and that um, I guess on my end of things, I can't speak for my sibling, that I, I wanted to also prove that I was not like my cousins, that I obviously had a lot of expectations placed on me and that I would meet those or even exceed them. And I think overall, I, I think it just also restricted me in the fact that I couldn't expand outside of school. I mean, I had friends, but I wasn't part of, you know, university sororities or clubs because of this uh, background information regarding my cousin. What do you mean? Um, Just knowing that, it, because my dad's, he's, he's very transparent about how he grew up and, how he put himself through university and he already explained to us. And my mom's side too, there's some family who relied on her financially as well. And and my aunt who also lives with us. Um, And knowing that like finances were, I guess now that I know that I'm older, it was my parents' love language per se. So, So knowing that every penny they've earned goes back to my sister and I I always made sure that my focus was for that goal to finish school, to get a good job, to make sure that I was myself afterwards quite secure financially because I didn't want to end up, you know, being the cheese miss with everybody like oh Ariane too ran away with this low life, or Ariane got into drugs and she didn't finish her school, or you know, Ariane swindled the money and, and now it's her poor parents, they've lost all this money. I never met my cousins until I was I, I don't know if I met them before when I was quite young, but I The first time I actually did remember meeting them. I don't remember what year, but I I must have only been in early high school or late junior high. There's this vivid memory I remember. My sister and I still talk about it too. I think we were at Shakey's in the Philippines, which is uh, like a local fast food restaurant. And and there were some conversations that I could only catch tidbits with from the language, but they were very upset about how money was easily flowing back home to Iloilo, but it was going nowhere. And I remember my mom stayed so quiet for a very long time, because obviously it's not her side of the family. But it was just, it was quite emotional when she did try to stand up for my father. Because, you know, on my cousin's side, there was... And I don't know if i'm biased because it's my dad but there was a lot of excuses a lot of reasons why the money's missing or you know why they keep asking for money when they asked for it earlier and i just remember and, and not that I, I resent them but i just remember how much they were the catalyst and the effect of how things have changed for my sibling and i and uh, i think that's the only relationship i really do have in terms of them as cousins you know, outside of actually being blood relatives, they're, they're quite a symbolic image for us to push through and, and maintain this pride in our family.
1: This is a, a pretty common story among Filipinos because Filipinos working abroad, like in Canada, Often send money to their relatives in mm-hmm. the Philippines, and when I talked to your dad, it sounded like it was motivated by duty and duty to your to to your aunt. And mm-hmm. um, what what are your thoughts on the on on the practice of of uh, sending money back to mm-hmm. the Philippines when you're abroad?
0: <laughs> yes, um, it's very complicated because. Again, like having that dual identity of, of living in the owner Western culture versus having that internal Filipino culture. Again, like I said, with my parents, I finally realize that the way they express their love and their um, pride to my sister and I is through this financial stability. And even with gifts, you know, like it's it's quite... Um, It's not verbal. It's not physical. Like we're not a very huggy, huggy family, but knowing that they have that internal sense of um, care to provide money to family in the Philippines, it's interesting to see because I understand where it's coming from. It makes sense because, you know, they want everyone to be secure and stable. But I think it does get to a point where people can easily manipulate and take advantage of them because they never ask for the money back. Um, For example, even myself going through my four years of university and they've helped me kind of moved out as well financially a little bit and they've never asked for money back. And I think, I think cultural wise, it's something that, you know, it's quite ingrained. There is a reason to it. There's a understanding of why it's like this but it's it's very toxic and I think the only way I've noticed it is because I've seen how other families have developed here in Canada so I guess that's my long-winded <laughs> point about it
1: <laughs> what would you what would you change like what advice would you give uh, someone in in that situation so you like to, you said that it, there's a toxicity to it but there's also like good good to it it's part of the culture and it shows caring and it's a love language but then there's this toxicity how do you balance that
0: it's very hard to um because again like you said that there's a sense of duty to it especially if you know in relations to your lad podcast podcast I heard um it feels like you have this obligation to show that Oh, look at all the money you've gave me and look look how I turned out, or how now I have to return the favor to you or your children or your grandchildren, and so on.
1: She's referring to season two, episode two, where we talk about utang na loob, which translates to debt of gratitude.
0: And I think the only way someone in our position, or more so my parents' position, is to just realize when it's time to let it go and time to set some limits because you can only give so much, you know? There's no point in working so hard when all of the money goes nowhere, especially if it's very hard to set that limitations and image about living in Canada because in the Philippines, here right now, my family is average to above average, but in the Philippines, they... they, I assume they see us that we're millionaires and we're celebrities. <laughs> we can earn so much. And it's. I, I think that's also part of it. We have to start teaching one another and teaching the next generation about the financial limitations that individuals can have and boundaries are very important especially to maintain a healthy relationship especially with family because yes family is important but again you know they're only family if they also treat you like family so, so I think that's our most important lesson as a whole culture.
1: one story about your cousin giving the money to to a boyfriend how so how has this affected your relationships
0: (laughs) oh god how long do you have (laughs) um well I mean like I think because before my sister and I even got into that age where we were interested in relationships we've already had that you know school is important goal ingrained into us so even that already started things where a lot of my friends were dating, and, and not even official boyfriend, girlfriend, just, you know, going to movies with this guy, and the next weekend going to dinner with that guy. And I've never been that. And even now being an adult, um, I watch my friends and my coworkers have, quote, quote, like one night stands or flings. And again, that's, it's not something for me. And I think Just generally speaking, I believe that's what this whole cousin boyfriend scenario, I think that's what's affected me as well in terms of being the way I am with, um, you know, adult relationships now. I find my expectations are quite higher than my peers. I have, for example, a friend who you know, as long as the guy is six foot tall, looks good, six pack abs, she's good to go. She'll go on a date with him, even though there's red flags left and right. And at some point, I think there was a boyfriend living with her and her father paid for the rent, you know, the, the bills, the gas money, everything. And to me, I didn't have to speak to my parents about it. I just knew for a fact, like mom and dad would hate that for me. So now it's like, even with relationships i'm starting it's i'm 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 very okay like how stable is this guy how um how good is he with money and how family oriented is this person and you know are they spending money left and right on alcohol on nights out or are they investing it trying to save money for a home or um you know even simple as putting it in an RRSP or a line of credit it's it's very logical in my head and and i think that's and i don't mean to say that all a, a person is as a partner is their financial ability but it's definitely comforting knowing that if i end up with someone they won't swindle me <laughs> and take my hard earned money the way my cousin's boyfriend did
1: and you something you mentioned you said you wouldn't even have to talk to your parents you know that that wouldn't fly with them how about with you like is are you more like thinking about what your parents want for you, or is that what, what you want for yourself also?
0: I think it's about 50-50. I know um, I, I, I've always butt heads with my parents, and um, even in high school, like, I, I wasn't a bad kid. Like, I didn't do drugs or, you know, sneak out at night. God forbid, I know they'd hear me sneaking out at night. Um, but I think just my ideas of how I wanted to live my life have always been quite different, for example like even moving out was was uh, quite a struggle to get them on the same page so in terms of relationships um obviously I still hear them in my head and I know they want what's best for me so I think I have like a little a little uh, a checklist mentally in my head to know that, oh, mom and dad want someone who is ambitious, who has a um, logical career path, who's not risky that way, but is also kind and understanding and would be empathetic and appreciate the cultural aspects of the Filipino culture and the financial components to it. And I think on my own mental list to try and find someone who's an ideal partner, it includes everything what I assume my parents list would have, but also other things, you know, like someone who's, um, who would be better at setting boundaries than I do when it comes to difficult conversations, such as finances with, you know, estranged cousins, or someone who's adventurous and not money-wise, but would, you know, go traveling first as opposed to settling down. Like it's similar, but different in that sense, I guess. For anybody listening to this podcast, Filipino or not, I guess what I've learned inadvertently with my parents' situation and the effects it had with myself growing up and my relationships to come, I guess, is to, you know, set boundaries. And it's going to be hard and it's going to be an awkward conversation. But in the long run, we can learn from each other's culture as a Western world and as Filipinos that boundaries need to be placed with family because, yes, blood is thicker than water, but to what extent? because you can't treat someone like family if they're not going to treat you the same. And as awful as it to sound, but you and your own immediate family, or even you yourself, you're the most important person in your own life. And you can't take care of others if you can't take care of yourself.
1: Here are three key takeaways from their experiences Takeaway number one Money is a love language from sending money to family in the Philippines to paying for your children's education This is part of Filipino culture a way to show we care Takeaway number two if you're sending money to the Philippines There needs to be some accountability measures in place to show you have boundaries to protect yourself from being taken advantage of Takeaway number three, if you're on the receiving end of financial support to go to school, whether in the Philippines or Canada, don't take it for granted. Study hard and finish school to show your appreciation. So the next time you find yourself craving boy bawang, remember, you're the most important person in your life. Keep helping others, but be sure to take care of yourself first. What's the Chismis is a production of CJSR 88.5 FM in Edmonton on Treaty 6 Territory. Today's episode was produced by me, Ryan Lacanelau. Thanks to Calvin Barona and Arianne Barona for speaking with us. You can find all our episodes on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Pocket Casts, and on our website, whatsthechismis.transistor.fm. Follow us on Instagram at whatsthechismis.com and on Facebook at What's the Cheese Meets CGSR? You can also email us at cheesemeats at CGSR.com. That's T-S-I-S-M-I-S.
0: Salamat